Hello, and welcome to a very special episode of Coffee with a Shot of Cynicism, the Gilmore Girls podcast. We're just here for fun. I'm Jeffrey. I'm Eleni. And we are here to, you know, touch base with you all because it's been a couple months. When was it that we stopped season five? September? I don't even know. Don't ask me. (laughs) Yeah, I think it was September. Um, You know how people lost all semblance of time when COVID happened? I know. I never regained it. No, I was thinking about that last night, actually, like how, you know, how like usually on the, maybe not everybody, but me like on the, on New Year's Day, like I might get a little like, I don't know, reflective of like, where was I at this time last year, like the time two years ago or something. And I started thinking back, like, hmm, when did I last feel like X, Y, Z? And I'm like, oh, wait, that was already like five years ago. Cause you know, yep. COVID added like three years of nonsense to everybody's timetable so there's that time is an illusion right and then you add in the fact that like we're recording now right after the holidays but you know that week between Christmas and New Year's is always lost anyways oh yeah and I feel like this year it it hit me like a ton of bricks because it's like my first I guess it's my my first holiday season like with a more or less full-time job so it's feels weird it's almost like being back in school where it's like you have time off between Christmas like for Christmas and New Year's and the holidays obviously and then you go back on whatever day it feels it kind of feels a bit like that and I haven't felt like that in quite a long time it's unsettling it's unsettling yes yes yeah. it is what uh, are you doing today Jeffrey tell us uh today we are here for a special bonus episode to discuss um our thoughts and opinions primarily on uh, books by Lauren Graham. She has three books, two mem, well, one memoir, one essay collection, and one fiction novel. Correct. So technically, she has four books. Oh, four books. Yes, because she had the her um her speech. Yeah. So she published her um commencement speech mm-hmm. as well, which was called "In Conclusion." Don't worry about it. So, yeah, which was like about a hundred ish, maybe not a hundred pages, like somewhere. Not in- even. It was super tiny, and you can read it in ten minutes. Like, yeah, actually, I never ended up buying it because when I the like the very first time I went to visit Eleni when she lived in Toronto, um, before bed one night, I saw that book. I saw her copy of that book on the table. I was like, I'll read this, and I read it in literally ten minutes. So exactly, and I think I picked it up at a used bookstore for like two bucks. So oh, good um but yeah yeah four uh, books okay yeah good I-, I was thinking three but yeah you're correct it's four. I mean the only reason I completely forgot about that one but the only reason I thought of it was because I was looking at my bookshelf right now <laughs> yes it's true so it's there but yeah um but I, I liked her speech um mm-hmm. yeah did you ever watch like any vi- was there any video of it online somewhere or uh, not? if there is I haven't seen it yeah, um, I would assume you know she's she's super charming so I would assume she did a good job um mm-hmm. speaking it but like look all commencement speeches in my opinion <laughs> are kind of similar yeah like reach for the stars follow your dreams <laughs> and especially it's especially when a celebrity does it or some kind of public figure it they yeah. kind of they try to work their own life and career story into it and more times than not, it's it's literally still that like it's reach for the stars, but in some kind of translated translation of this is what happened to me, as you all know, but reach for the stars. Like, yeah, it's it's also like 
I don't know how to say this. It's more like it's kind of pandering too. I don't know if it's just, oh, they're so weird. Like I started with nothing. Yeah. Yeah. When I was, when I got Gilmore Girls, I only had $12 and 42 cents in my bank account. Like, (laughs) okay, cool. And now you're living in Malibu. Like I get it. Yeah. Um, No, it is, it is pandering. It's, it's also just very, um, I'll say ableist as a general term, but it's also, it's just very like generalized in terms of you do this, you work hard, you, you're guaranteed something like, no, I think our generation knows more than anybody else that that's not true. Yeah. So I think the reason why commencement speeches in general, like the speakers that they get have kind of lost touch is because they're all based on this idea. If you work hard, anything is possible. Mm-hmm. And that's not true these days. It's not. Um, like there's plenty of people that work hard in the world that don't are barely making ends meet mm-hmm. uh, this day and age. Uh, we're told if you do the right thing, nothing bad will happen to you. Well, that's not true. There's war currently waging all over the place, you know. Um, it's just really hard to listen to a message like that with mm-hmm. the state of the world being what it is. That being said, I think she gave it in, I think, oh God, I'm going to look it up. But I think it was 2017. Yeah, and, and no shade to her speech or her doing. Oh, her not at all. This is not shading the speech. It's just, um, I think it's it's more of, it's more I think of a college university problem of what they think young people want to hear, whereas mm-hmm. I'd be way more interested if somebody came up to the podium and was like, "Listen, guys, shit sucks." Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, um, as some may know and some may not know, I I did graduate from university in twenty twenty three, so I most recently. I had to attend a convocation with speeches. Yeah. Um. I don't even remember who. Honestly, don't remember who the like the special guest was to give a big speech was. Uh, my guest would probably remember. I I honestly don't. <laughs> I do remember like the valedictorian or whoever. She got she got up and gave this whole speech, basically just about her. Like cool. it was obviously about who she was and what she's accomplished despite all these odds type of thing. But I remember both my parents were like, yeah, okay, you just you just talked about yourself. Like not hey, just but like to be fair, mm-hmm. listen, if I ever became valedictorian, which yeah, no, um, wasn't that smart, never gonna be that smart. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, it is about me, goddamn. <laughs> yeah, and no, not to say like no, it I'm shouldn't kidding, be I'm about kidding. yeah, no, but not to not to say it shouldn't be about her in some semblance because it is her speech generally you were chosen and it is it is about you generally speaking i think it was just she kind of failed to relate it as well as she could have to all of us kind of thing like you're supposed to take your story and kind of relate it to the audience right it's not or the the you are but did rory gilmore do that when she was valedictorian no because she went on a tangent about how her mother was the best mm-hmm. and Richard and Emily Gilmore are kind and decent people. And you just have to be thinking like some loser in the back is like, what the fuck is happening here? Yeah. I think it's just the same everywhere pretty much. Yeah. I'm, I'm generally okay with you, you making your valedictorian speech about you. Yeah. I don't care. No, you've earned it. <laughs> well, you've probably been to more convocations than I have. Cause you have more degrees than I do. So no, I didn't uh, go to my, uh, my, I was already working in new brunswick um when i graduated with my master's oh that's true so i missed it Mm -hmm. um i did go to my brother's though 
um, both of his. So when he graduated university, um, I think when he, no, not when he got his PhD, because that was during COVID times. Mm-hmm. Try defending your thesis on Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he did well. And actually, I was kind of glad he did it on Zoom because I was able to tune in from Toronto. <laughs> Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> so that was fun. But uh, no, I remember my brother's high school graduation. I was there. I don't know if I've told this story before, but I'm going to tell it again. Um, my brother's high school graduation, generally it was way more worth it to go to any of my brother's events than mine because he was a brainiac and you were guaranteed that his name was going to be called at least 40 times. <laughs> like, yeah. So he like won all the science stuff and he won, he came really close to being valedictorian um, in a class of 400, like whatever. Mm-hmm. But I remember, <laughs> so my brother's up there accepting all these awards. <laughs> and I remember that day we had our history ministry exam. Mm-hmm. So where we're from in Quebec, um, the minister of education, uh, you have a math, uh, you have a math minister exam in 10th grade and a history ministry exam in 10th grade. And, and science. School, I had science too. But math and science. Yeah, you're right. Um, and the rule in my school is that if you, f- so the general rule across the province was if you fail one of these exams, you're automatically uh, enrolled in summer school. Mm-hmm. And my school took it a step further. And if you fail these exams, you're automatically out of school. <laughs> oh, that's nice. So I remember after the ceremony, the principal of his grade coming up to me, coming up to my mom and being like, oh, congratulations for your son, blah, blah, blah. And she recognized me and she was like, oh, next year it'll be your turn. And I just remember thinking, nope, because I failed my history. Mm. <laughs> um, I didn't fail, thank God. Um, but it was one of those exams that you you walk out and you really didn't know if you did well or not. Oh, yes. But I remember so much anxiety about that. And I'm like, <laughs> thank God my brother gave him something to clap about. <laughs> yeah. I remember um, the I remember my exams from that year all too well. Like <laughs> funny, I think because I I struggled so much in math. I you know I had a, yeah. I had a tutor. I had a bunch of extra help because you know me and math never mixed. Nope, me either. Um, but like I math was not even a concern because like I had the tutor. I I had a teacher who gave us so much prep work, so much like uh what's the term like sample exam or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, practice exams like all, all of it so it, I wasn't even really nervous for math because I felt like I was really prepared but uh, my science teacher that year just didn't like me at all um, and I think what did me and I was somehow that year I think I might have uh, told this story too uh, somehow that year I ended up in applied science oh god instead of general science like I'd been in general science all throughout high school and somehow that year I was put in applied science um so no a lot of labs and a lot of failure because I was terrible at it and the teacher hated me um so by the like and then I think in April of that year I got a really bad stomach flu and I was out for a week so I missed like I missed one test that week in the science and as the first day I was back the teacher like came and saw me in the hallway and was like so when are you doing my test I'm like I literally just got back from throwing up like can you give me a minute to catch my breath please I would have said never because fuck that exactly so he made me do the te- that test in question that day at lunch oh god in the gym where he was like supervising some sporting event who fucking cares oh what's a sporting event it wasn't even a sport it was like whatever it was like kids playing in the gym at lunch or whatever I don't but know he still was- you're doing that during your exam yeah 
That's some bullshit. And he was supervising it. I don't know what it was. I don't I don't pay attention to that. Um, so I got like a 39% on that on that yes, test. Yes, love it. Which did me in. And so going into the exam, I was like, I had nothing. Like if I failed this exam, I was done. Um and I remember that I remember just the day that I could look we could look up our school like our, our results online. Mm. And I was just like ready to cry, like ready to like ready to end it all, you know? Got it. And I got a 63. Oh, thank God. Yeah. What is sorry, such a tangent, but what is this the lowest grade you've ever seen? Not necessarily yours, but like a classmate or whatever. Lowest, like, like percentage wise. Percentage wise, like final grade in a class. Not final, any grade. It could be final or whatever, because I know somebody who got a 13% once. Oh, I got a 6% once. Oh, I love it. And what? <laughs> I got a 6% because it was, I think it was in eighth grade, I want to say. I, <laughs> like, we were doing, like, some kind of quiz or test or something with a substitute teacher, and she didn't give us enough time because she was didn't know like how much time to give us or something and so I didn't finish so the teacher graded what I did and it was six (laughs) percent but she let us I think she threw it out I think she let us take it again because we didn't have enough time or something I love it (laughs) um okay so that's in conclusion don't worry about it I know you really love um someday someday maybe her novel Mm -hmm. and Um, um... I read it yeah I read it three times actually yeah, I've only read it once. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember enjoying it. Um, I'm going to be honest, it's been a while. I remember really, really enjoying it. Um, and I remember in her book, in her most recent book, um, she talked about turning it into a television show. Which didn't happen. And I'm still, happen. I'm still very upset about it. Okay, but um, <laughs> <laughs> to be fair... So she also talks about how she's, she's, you know, um, written some stuff and wanted to direct some stuff and like commissioned, or I don't know if the word is commissioned, but it's um, optioned, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was optioned. Is that the word? Yeah. Okay. So she's optioned some other books that she really enjoys and written um, screenplays for them, either for movies or for um, television shows. And um, I know she's really good friends with Jenny Han. Mm-hmm. who wrote to all the boys i loved before nope that's not the right one yeah she it is yeah she also wrote the summer i turned yeah pretty. so that's what i was thinking of i was thinking of um she wrote the summer i turned pretty which if you follow the newsletter you know i hate watch <laughs> and i like i hate myself for watching um so yeah she's friends with a lot of authors as well mm-hmm. um, and she's written a lot of screenplays that i guess haven't really gone anywhere which i'm kind of sad about um, yeah, because she's not like fast forward a bit to her memoir, her first memoir, which is talking as fast as I can. Um, she like from what I remember off the top of my head, she went into detail about how despite always wanting to be an actress, she always wanted to be a writer as well. Yeah. So like I guess from the 2010s onwards, she like really wanted to get into writing as a you know I don't want to say a side gig but you know got into writing in addition to acting and so I guess that's why she went into screenwriting a lot but nothing has been picked up which is just sad I feel like that's the way things go in Hollywood but also justice for Lauren Graham like yes but but then I was (laughs) gonna say like I also think about the trash that's made Mm mm-hmm and I'm like, but why? 
because exactly. if you hear her speak um so one thing I've always really admired admired about her one thing I've always really loved about her is that she's exactly like Lorelai in a lot of ways yeah um but she's also just so much more endearing mm-hmm. and um you know having read a lot of what she's written I think she would I would I, I would definitely watch a show that she'd write on you know what I mean yeah Mm-hmm. Um, and she talks a lot about in her recent book about her love of directing too. Yes. Um, so I think for her, it's more about just loving the whole business of it. <laughs> like, I think yeah, she I wants think... to be part of all of it. She loves to act. She loves to direct. Mm-hmm. She wants to be able to write for it as well. Um, mm-hmm. and produ- she's been a producer on a couple of shows as well. So I think she just loves, I, th- I think it's safer to say that she just loves the business. <laughs> yeah. So I th- like, and sadly, I don't like, we don't, we don't know the inside story, but no, exactly. sadly, I think it, her not either her not getting stuff picked up that she's written or maybe her not having as many opportunities to write on certain shows. Like that could be like, you know, women getting less opportunities than men in Hollywood, which is still a very big reality. Yeah. But at the same time, like just show like either shows that she was she would have been writing on didn't get picked up for whatever reason. Maybe it was too female centric or whatever it was. But I, it's a good thing you point out that she is friends with Jenny Han because um, like Jenny Han has had the three movies based off of 12 Boys I Love Before. She's had The Summer I Turned Pretty, which are very like very, um, very female centric and also like very like person of color centric person like uh like asian asian american centric so mm-hmm. um i think like the, the industry has evolved since yeah. like sunday sunday maybe first came out in 2013 wow already um yeah <laughs> so, yeah i don't know maybe 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 she'll get somewhere but maybe she won't I, I do know that like with every new project that lauren graham does she has a clause in every contract that if another Gilmore Girls revival were to happen, she has an out to go and do it. Mm-hmm. Which I don't know at this point. Just eh. like if, I don't know if I don't like. I'm I'm sure that's her choice to have that clause, but it's like maybe just go for it with something else. <laughs> I mean, I think that has more to do with wanting to work with Amy Sherman Palladino again, um, mm. rather than wanting to do Gilmore Girls again. But like I don't know, then do something with her. Like they did, they did a they did a Zoom together when her last book came out, right? Yes, so, which I attended. Um, yes, but why don't you just work with her again? Do something else. Do a TV no, show. No, I understand, a, uh, but I think so. I think it's really about her wanting yes to work with Dan and Amy again, but I think she's always gonna have a soft spot for the um, role that kind of launched her career. Yeah. And I think she maybe identifies with that role so much mm-hmm. that it's just an extension of her at this point. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. you know, she's like, yeah, why not? But she does say that the script has to be right and the timing has to be right. Um, yeah. So she wouldn't, she's, she's not just going to do anything that has Gilmore Girls written. Exactly. It's gonna... not just like Dan and Amy are going to be like, hey, we're doing Gilmore Girls. She's like, bye guys, gotta go. <laughs> like she wants to. <laughs> and I think also, um, you know, having executive produced in the seventh season, and now yeah. taking on more directorial roles with new shows, I think if if biggest if of life, uh, if another season of Gilmore Girls were to happen, which at this point I'm mm-hmm. over it, um, 
but we'll talk about that when we get to the year in the life. I think if that were to happen, I think she would want to be more involved on the back end. Yeah, for sure she would. I don't think it's unheard of for her to be like, okay, yeah, let's do it. But maybe I want to write a little bit. Maybe I want to, um, you know, direct an episode or two. Um, you know, I want to be in the writer's room. Whatever it is, I think, I don't think it's it's out of this realm to say that she would want to be involved. No, I think for sure if it, if some kind of second revival of Guillermo Rose were to occur, she would definitely want to direct, write, be, yeah, like you said, like be behind the camera as much as in front of it. Yeah. And, you know, I would welcome that because I think she does have a really good vision. Um, mm-hmm. And actually, speaking of her friendship with Jenny Han, again, well, we haven't gotten into se- our discussion of season six yet, but it will be coming soon. But I do want to give just a snippet of something that I've been sitting on ever since we started the podcast when we got to season six. Um, so you know how, um, like when Rory and Lorelai aren't speaking at the beginning of the season, that every time Lorelai has something she wanted to tell Rory, she writes it down and she puts it in this hat box, right? Mm. So you know how in to all the to all the the boys I've loved before, Lara Jean writes these love letters and puts them in a hat box that her yes. mother gave her. So because not only because they're friends, but because Jenny Han was a big fan of Gilmore Girls when she was younger, before she even knew Lauren Graham, I'm sure. Like, I have to think that Jenny Han drew inspiration from that bit on Gilmore Girls of Lorelai in the hat box. Why not? Yeah, I don't know. I think crazier <laughs> things I, have happened. <laughs> no, in my head, in my head, there's always been a connection between that. Like, I know Jenny Han is a really big Gilmore Girls fan, so I'm like, she definitely took the hat box from that from that scene in Gilmore Girls. Probably, and Amy Amy is usually photographed with a hat. So exactly, exactly. So, so. everything's connected. Everything is illuminated. <laughs> so, do you remember? much of what you thought of someday someday maybe when you first read it did you read it like when it first came out or a bit time after no i read it when it first came out i remember being really excited that she had written a book um a novel Mm um i'm back then god it feels so weird to say but back then i was way more into fiction than nonfiction. um now i kind of go back and forth (laughs) um but i remember yeah reading it when it came out and really really liking it mm-hmm. um I don't know I think I could really see the character she wrote very clearly like she had a very clear vision mm-hmm. um and she she was really descriptive in that character and I yeah. think that's easy to do when the character is kind of based on you right yeah. Um, but it also just didn't feel tired, like giving another interview of like oh well I had $12 in my bank account you know it was just <laughs> It, it had much more emotion, so I really appreciated that. Um, well, according to according to Goodreads, hmm. um, you rated this three stars on August 28, 2013. Yeah. So what's with the three-star rating? Well, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember really, really liking the character um, and the world that she had created. But I think the problem, if I'm remembering correctly, I think the problem that I had with it is that there wasn't much plot. And back then, I can definitely appreciate books that don't have much more plot now. Mm -hmm. Like I like books with more introspection now. 
-hmm. But I think back then, like 10 years ago, I was 20. Oh my God, no. (laughs) I was 21, 22. How was I? Yeah, around there, I guess. It around there, I would say that. Um, I think I just wanted like go, 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 you know. Yeah. And the storyline of her going to auditions and failing at certain, like, I was just like, oh my god, we get it, struggling actress. Yeah, that sounds about that sounds about like you. <laughs> but I, yeah, but I think if I were to read it again today, I'd have much more appreciation for it. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, who knows? Maybe I should reread it. I guess I was waiting Maybe. for the show. Yeah. I was really so, waiting for that freaking show. <laughs> yeah. Um I've so I've I've written about my love for this book a couple of times. I had an mm-hmm. article published for Book Riot at yeah. the end of 2021, I think it was about my relationship with Someday Someday Maybe. So as I mentioned, I've read it three times. It's like probably in my top 5 books of all time. Um, and I think, so as I mentioned in this article, which I will post link wherever, once this episode goes live, um, I read it. I, so I knew Lauren Graham as an author before I knew her as an actress. I'd read the first time I read Someday, Sunday, maybe was in 2014, I think it was. And I'd never seen Gilmore Girls. I'd never seen Parenthood. Um, I just found the book, liked the title, liked the title, liked the cover in the bookstore, read the back cover. I was like, that sounds like something I want to read. Like, that was the extent of it. I recognized Lauren Graham's picture on the back, but I had not never seen her in, any, in anything. So I bought it. Um, I read it. Yeah, it was the fall of 2014. I was in my last year of high school. And I don't know, I just really connected with the idea of like a struggling artist, a dreamer, like moving to New York City, like trying to get by. And I think it, I think I, I connected with it so much the first time because when you're in like high, your last year of high school, you're like, what am I doing? Who, who am I going to be? Like all that garbage. So I like really connected with Fran, Franny, Franny Banks is her name. I really connected with Franny's just overall struggle of trying to find out who she is like on the go. You know, like I think it, I think it spoke to a lot of people's like, early 20s struggle of like I don't know who I am but I have to keep going forward you know what I mean like it's not like you can just stop figure it out and then go you know like you, like life keeps moving you have to move with it like all those cliches so I think that's what really drew me in the first time and the second time I read it was two years later when I was in CJEP and or college so just call it college because you know I know we get a lot of messages being like what's CJEP even though we've explained it. So I was in my second year of college and yeah, I was in a very different headspace at that time. <laughs> As Eleni knows, she knew me in that period. It was, that was like the beginning of my anxiety years, my mental health decline, shall we put it? <laughs> I welcome and, you with open arms. Yeah. And I remember, I remember I sent you a picture when I was like sitting in like the school library on one of my breaks or whatever and I'm going to send you a picture being like I have school reading to do but I've been sitting here all afternoon reading this rereading this book because I don't you know and um yeah the same thing happened I think I felt I think I felt the story even more so the second time around because I was closer to the ages of the characters you know I was still still young still inexperienced still had no idea what that was actually like but again felt felt the warmth felt the all the comfort from the story um then the third time that I read it was in 2021 before, right before I wrote the article it's what 
maybe maybe want to write an article because I read it three times. I was like, let's get something out of this. And that was like also a really difficult time. That was, you know, I was in university. Everyone had just kind of started going back to in-person life after the pandemic. We were like all taking baby steps because, you know, it wasn't, COVID was still in the air where we had to kind of go back to to school and yeah I had a bit of a a heavy breakdown that fall for multiple reasons and um was reading that book at the time just because needed needed something to to clutch onto and that's what it was so I think that brought the story full circle and solidified my love for it but I find it ironic in conclusion that I like you know I loved the book so much before ever having watched Gilmore Girls or Parenthood and developed like an actual love of the actress you know what I mean like I find it just interesting that I read the book before any of that you know what I mean yeah because most people read picked up the book because they're like oh my god Lauren Graham's such a big fan Mm -hmm. didn't know she was a writer and then you (laughs) You're for sure also thinking like at the time, okay, it's another celebrity writing a book. Wow. You know? Yeah. Um, looking at you, Kylie Jenner. Um, all of them. <laughs> all of them. No, I'm kidding. Some of them are really talented, actually. Yeah. Actually, one of my favorite books, just as an aside, <laughs> one of my favorite books is uh, written by a celebrity. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember his name. <laughs> uh, shit. It's the guy from X-Files. Um, yeah, David... Ducotney Ducotney is that it David Ducotney yeah yeah Yeah. so uh one of my favorite books written by him so they're not all losers (laughs) um (laughs) and clearly like this one wasn't for you um yeah but yeah a lot of people I'm sure a lot of people just picked it up because it was Lauren Graham um as many people do with celebrity books and that's the thing too I actually you know, not to toot my own horn, but I actually wrote an, I wrote an article already 2019 now for Book Riot about the celebrity book and like, what's the deal with why, why do some people just hate on them because they're written by celebrities? And I think, I don't know, maybe a lot of people on Goodreads like thought like you did when Someday, Someday maybe first came out and it was like, oh, you know, not so much plot. It's kind of slow and it's written by a celebrity. So it's like, there's the, there's this general consensus when like a celebrity writes a book and it comes from like male dominated media, especially with female celebrities writing books where it's like, why like it's just a money grab. It, you know, stick to what you know is generally the the final rule. And I think that's shitty because I think Lauren Graham can actually write yeah. as we've established. But even today, as I look on Goodreads for someday, someday, maybe it's still like the average rating is three three point five three, which isn't amazing. It's like mostly three stars. But, you know, sometimes you got to take a chance on those books with little with little lower ratings. And thankfully, in 2014, I did not have Goodreads. So I was like, this sounds know. good. Let me read it. No, <laughs> but I think like there's. I think it makes sense when cele- when actors, I should say, mm-hmm. um, or artists, let me put it that way. I think it would ma- it makes sense when artists um, switch media. <laughs> yeah. Like it makes sense that an artist who's primarily an actor then wants to also explore their creativity by being a writer you know like mm-hmm. they acted in these worlds they want to create them now so I don't think it's terrible no. um you know I think I definitely roll my eyes at some of the you know the 
I don't even know what to say. Like, <laughs> like I'm thinking like, you know, Selena Gomez wrote a novel, you know? Yeah. Did she? Uh, I think so. Let me look it up. Continue. <laughs> Sorry. But like, you know, like uh, Tyra Banks. Yeah. Wrote Model Land, which was awful, you know, like mm-hmm. Hilary Duff. Uh, oh my god Hillary Duff wrote that trilogy that YA trilogy of books remember that yes that's why <laughs> so I'm just like oh you know Kylie and Kendall Jenner just it's 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 not to discredit what they're doing no but I mean and then you have um actors who've written books like David who I love <laughs> um wasn't I've never really been a fan of his work as an actor but I really really loved his book he has a few actually but I really love Bucky fucking Dent um (laughs) Carrie Fisher wrote a novel which was apparently really really good yeah read it um you know so it's not to discredit anyone I think it makes sense like people are like oh how could they make the jump I don't think the jump is um that far-fetched you know no so no I think you're right in saying like it's it's only natural for like an artist to want to try other mediums. Yeah. Like an actor wanting to write, an actor wanting to direct. I think it's that's that's completely natural. I think it's just like to varying degrees of success is the Yeah, <laughs> for sure. The key point. So like example, I never read those those YA books by Hilary Duff, but I remember oh, when they came mm-hmm. out and it was like I remember like Scholastic was pushing them and just a, like I don't know if a bunch of, if a bunch of people flocked to them just because it was written by Hillary Duff but well, yeah that's <laughs> what I'm saying but I remember it was just like it was really it was really bad um and it's interesting to think of like how the celebrity book and that whole concept has like evolved and shifted like into the 2020s almost because now like when a female celebrity writes a book maybe it's most likely a memoir nowadays than it is like you know, so-and-so sits down to write uh, a sci-fi novel or something. Mm-hmm. More so than not, it's a, it's either a memoir or a cookbook or some kind of, like, wellness tips or something. Don't uh, even get me started on the wellness girls. No, we're not going like to. Like, Cameron Diaz, who told you that you can write a 500-page wellness book? Are we going to talk about Gwyneth Paltrow? No. No, 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 no. That's a whole other thing. <laughs> but, like, come on. Yeah, no. It's Whatever. no. <laughs> so I think like if it's a memoir and I think if it's written by a female celebrity who has like been through it like in terms of like the spotlight the pop culture like bashing or something I think more times than not she'll be applauded and rightfully so for like you know kind of looking back and thinking like that was shitty how you treated me at the time and I'm not and I'm not that person you know what I mean even then, I think there's sometimes where the book isn't amazing. Like Pamela Anderson last year published a memoir along with a Netflix documentary. The documentary mm-hmm. was really good. The book, not so much because she kind of wanted to write it in her own style of like, here's a, here's one chapter of kind of meh prose. And well, then listen, I can appreciate <laughs> that more than the celebrities who hire 12 different ghostwriters yeah. and try to make it perfect. Yeah. Right? I'm not saying don't hire a ghostwriter, you know, like if you have a story to, t- I'm sure all these celebrity memoirs that I've read and loved have mm. ghostwriters and I'm not taking away from that. Yeah. Um, not everyone's a writer, but they do have a story to tell. Mm-hmm. But I can think of other memoirs where I'm like, this is too professional sounding and I know it's not you. Yeah. At least in some of them, I can still hear the person's voice. Yeah. And 
I didn't read the Pamela Anderson um, memoir. I'm not a huge a huge fan. I don't consider her life to be that exciting. Um, don't don't read the book. It's not worth it. Well, whatever. But I'm saying like I know people like you and other people who have read it and are like, ugh, with her poetry. And I'm like, yeah, it might have been cringe. But is it more or less cringe than Kylie Jenner writing a YA novel? No, no. That was the thing though. Like I gave I gave Pamela Anderson a fair three stars when I said, you know, peace and love to her. This was not very good in my opinion, but you know, good on her for releasing those demons. You know. Yeah. Shout out to Pamela Anderson. She's Canadian. Yes, she is. And the Netflix documentary in particular, which is like almost a year old now, because time is an illusion. Mm-hmm. Um, it's worth the watch. It's very good. Uh, um, documentary celebrities <laughs> no i'm kidding yeah. oh it's but it's a whole thing you know it's 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 a fine line between a celebrity wanting to tell their truth and wanting to have it out there for people for people to listen to to watch and then people being like oh it's a money grab they just need money their heart out blah 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 like so i don't think there's nuance there's nuance in that oh definitely so i think especially for some of these younger female celebrities that have been portrayed really negatively in the media mm-hmm. I understand wanting to take back your story and tell it in your own words and right some wrongs, as it were. Yeah. So I don't fault Pamela Anderson for writing, uh, you know, the way she wanted to write or some of these other celebrities. Yeah. I, I question, so that's for memoirs, but I question the authenticity mm-hmm. of wanting to write a novel or even wanting to write a memoir when your life even though you're a celebrity hasn't been all that interesting (laughs) yeah that's like where you and I have like differed and argued on the validity of some celebrity memoirs where it's like oh who cares or oh whatever and you said like the bulk of your (laughs) if the bulk of your story is like oh my god we're doing coke in the back I'm like yeah we know it's fucking (laughs) stars in the 80s like we get it you're not telling me anything new you know what i mean yeah um that's not to say like i wouldn't still read certain things Mm -hmm. but i think of all the celebrity memoirs that i've read and there's not a lot but i think the reason i'm drawn to female ones is because i know that the media is shitty to them Mm -hmm. you know and i would like to hear it from them um their story from them but you know that being said like i read amy poehler's book didn't really enjoy it i was like amy what what (laughs) what amy (laughs) i love amy poehler but i was just like what yeah i know exactly exactly that's the thing too when it's like when it's a comedian writing a memoir it's like part memoir part essays and it's just mm. okay so let's get into this let's get into have i told you this before yeah because um, you really liked it okay yeah and i have yeah i've actually been sitting on that a while too because we first dreamed up this the the content for this bonus episode like what over a year ago now yeah, seriously. and <laughs> i remember at the time you gave me shit for including have i told you this already which is lauren graham's most recent book um what's the what's the subtitle stories i don't want to forget to remember or something yeah. Yeah. yeah um so i give it four stars i enjoyed it you know wasn't like it didn't change my life but i enjoyed reading it so it got it got four stars um and i cl- and i included it on my list of the 10 best books of 2022 mm-hmm. 
Then I get a text from little miss here who said, who's like questioning why I would include it on my 10 best list, 10 best books of 2022 and said like, it's, what it wasn't it wasn't worthy of that or something and I think just for me if you're gonna include a book under that title mm-hmm. it has to stay with you okay it stayed with and me. no that's fine that's <laughs> fine but here we are a year later mm-hmm. and do you even remember anything from it yeah I remember the story she told about working at Barney's wow Jeffrey <laughs> revelatory <laughs> okay well you know what sometimes it's hard to get those lists to 10 you know what i mean yeah i know that i guess <laughs> i read some real duds this year i'm not gonna fault you for that. and i first i remember saying to you over text like let people enjoy things and yeah, you- yeah yeah i was just more questioning like i think the reason i sent that text and it's not to like and I do apologize. I'm not trying to, I wasn't trying to shame you for your choice. Oh no. She was trying to, no, I don't apologize. You were, you were just trying to bust my chops as you do. And that's what I. What no, I but it was also coming from me because I was struggling to get through it. Mm-hmm. Like I remember with her first book talking as fast as I can. I yeah. really, really enjoyed it. And I read it in a relatively short period of time. Mm-hmm. And then this book, which was when it came out was marketed more as a, um, as a memoir versus her first one, which was essays more. Oh, interesting. So this was more like, oh my God, since, you know, A Year in the Life came out, we have some like snippet, like it was more advertised as her, like a, not really a tell-all, no. but more of a tell-all than the first one. That's interesting because I found Talking As Fast As I Can was a memoir. Whereas well, that's is- the thing. So like after I finished this one, I was like, why was this one marketed as a memoir when the first one was more memoir? Mm-hmm. And this was way more essays than the other one, you know? So maybe yeah. I was just having a hard time knowing what it was categorized as. Okay, that's um, fair. And I think I was really also just having a hard time because I was like, I really love Lauren Graham. Mm-hmm. I think she's a really interesting person. I think her stories are really interesting. But I found myself being just really bored throughout the whole thing. Like yeah. a whole chapter on marmalade. Like who gives a fuck? <laughs> yeah. See, it was. It doesn't surprise me that you cu- that you were struggling to get through it because, like, that's just that kind of book is just not your jam. I've, no, like, but it I was think. also just like it was trying so hard with some of these chapters to mm-hmm. be like her her convocation speech. Like when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. When life gives you oranges, make marmalade. I'm like, what am I supposed <laughs> to get out of this? Yeah, I can buy my marmalade. No, you know, I and think then like, like she would, she would drop these little bombs here and there that you really wanted to hear about since it was advertised as a memoir. And she's like, in the summer of 2021, I had just ended an 11 year relationship. La di da. You're like, we'll talk about it. Yeah, I know. It was no, for sure, it was more of an essay collection because it was like she would, she would say that you know, I, I ended an 11 year relationship and. But the, that wasn't the point of the chapter. The point of the chapter was something else. You know, she was like, and that that's very much of, of an essay. Like, you know, the 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 point, like the point of her saying, I had an 11 year relationship. Like, that, like, that's a separate story. This is that's just playing a part in this story. You know what I mean? Like, it's not that's not memoir. It's more essay. Yeah. And the fact that like. So she talked about her mother's death mm-hmm. and how close she is with her father um which if you watch interviews with her over the years she she loves talking about her dad which is great and she has a stepmom and that's great um 
but again it was like well my mother died and i was going through a hard time but uh hello here's my dad <laughs> i'm like girl what yeah what is the point then and i don't know i think there's something that, about that type of that type of writing style that i kind of gel with and i think oh, i don't has- gel i need the tea <laughs> i know i think i don't know i, I respond well and doesn't doesn't necessarily have to be like a celebrity writing it it helps when i know when i know the celebrity obviously but um just like essays in general i like kind of and i think is this comes from being like having taken creative writing and being a literature student for so long i i like i like essays where you're talking about something like really seemingly insignificant or something just out of the ordinary like i'm going to write an essay about this cup on my desk that's been with me all my life and like what the like right from the cups perspective or something like it's not oh, like that, that that's that sounds stupid and when i say it out loud but like i no i i kind of find it interesting to kind of write from a different perspective not just like you you know i want the you say you you want the tea so it's like you want the tea and read the memoir you want the nuance you want the 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 subtleties you want all the little things in between read an essay collection no because i don't mind reading an essay collection when you're writing the essay seemingly from the cup's point of view to take your example yeah but then you bring it back to well i'm talking about my grief with my mother or i'm grieving my 11 year relationship you know and so i found the essays that she wrote in here about like the dog for example Mm -hmm. like mochi her dog yeah. Um. And how she really struggled to give him up. I found the ones that had a clear, there was no clear um message in a lot of the essays. It was just I'm writing to write, like the old lady one. Yeah. Okay. Cool. No, it's true. The essays weren't 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 perfect or amazing. I'll give they you weren't that. well. A lot of them weren't well thought out. Mm-hmm. It was just she was writing because she also has a. I think I think this is her. She has a rule that um every day for twenty minutes she just writes yeah she's like i sit down and i like turn off the phone whatever and i just write for 20 minutes Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be good it's just the act of the routine of writing yeah and i'm like it doesn't have to be good it has to be a little bit good yeah no a lot and a lot of writers do that but i don't don't think the the which i understand like the the act of writing like Mm -hmm. when i have to write for when i have to write for work like articles or whatever I think the act, I sometimes set a timer for myself and I'm like, just go, write, do something, you know, because at least it'll get your brain flowing. Yeah. Um, but it seems like a lot of them were like, I'm sitting down to write for my 20 minutes a day and the old lady essay is what came out and let's go, we're putting it in. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't know. <laughs> I, like I said, was like, there's... we need to fill pages. Yeah, it's not perfect. And you know what? I'll admit that sometimes... I will hype up a book by a celebrity or an author that I really love. And you know this because you've called me on it before, not just with this book, with other books. Like, I'll want to include it on some some kind of list that I'll write because I love the author. And I just, I just like, I like the idea of the book. Like, was the, was the book perfect? No, but I need something to put on this list. And I like the author, so let's just go with it. That wasn't necessarily the case with this book. I did, I did really enjoy reading it. Like, it all of what you said is valid i yeah. you know i think i knew what i was getting into whereas maybe you were under the impression it was more of a memoir i knew from the description that it was kind of at more on the essay side um but yeah by the way you want the tea the 11 year the, the 11 year relationship peter kraus the end 
No, I'm just saying. <laughs> Peter Krause, her co-star in Parenthood, who she, like, they were friends, I think, for what, like a decade before Parenthood, and then they were dating Wong. Yeah, because they met on Caroline in the City. Right. Yeah. True. But whatever, I just, I think, I think maybe if it was marketed as an essay collection, I w- my expectations wouldn't have been um, what they were, I guess. Is what I'm there was also to other tea in the book that I was that I'm just remembering now that we're talking about it. She and May Whit May Whitman were going to do a Parenthood podcast, but we knew that already. Yeah, I know, but it didn't happen. I was very upset. <laughs> I know, but I'm saying like, if you're going to give me tea, give me tea. I haven't already sipped. Yeah, I know. I actually I, I'd forgotten about it by the time uh, the book came out. So I do have to say I love their relationship. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Every time I see a picture that May posts of Lauren Graham together I can just picture that and it's like oh and we've touched on this before a long time ago I think but there's some Gilmore Rose fans who get bitter that like Lauren Graham is more is closer with May May Whitman in real life and it's like it's like she doesn't have beef with with Alexis Bledel it's just like their lives went in different directions like they're still friends they're just not they they didn't become close like she and May Whitman did like it's like it's not that deep (laughs) whatever people people need hobbies yeah i know because there's like anytime like lauren like you said lauren and graham and may whitman like have a picture together like some gilmore girls page picks it up and everyone there's, there's always like, like where's alexis yeah no there's always, she's like, at home people, with her child <laughs> there's always like how people in the comments being like this is not gilmore girls content this is oh, like fuck off he was not on gilmore girls it's like shut up they're cute i like it <laughs> and she was on gilmore girls in a year in the life she was yeah. so suck it <laughs> fuck it oh anyways so, i just i don't know what i rated this one since you have good reads open tell me what i rated this one three stars pretty sure it was three stars three stars is what i rate in books when i don't know what to make of them. that's interesting because usually like you i think you once told me that like three stars for you is like i didn't like it it wasn't totally bad but like i don't yeah like you said i don't know what to make of it the thing is yeah three stars is usually when I like the concept of a book, um, but the execution wasn't great. Yeah. So, and there are parts that I love and other parts drag on for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think I, for me, three stars. I, th- oh, I have it, I have it written in my, in my Goodreads bio, actually. I do not because I but go with the vibes as George. I'm just extra like that. For me, three stars is mixed feelings. It had its good parts, but it could have been better. Yeah. Makes sense. I think that, yeah um yeah that also just makes me angry and i think we could have a whole other episode on why goodreads sucks oh yeah Um, and there's been so many other why can't i put half stars yeah i know there's been so many other apps that have come out like i know a lot of people use storygraph as opposed to good good yes on reddit reddit is all about storygraph like i tried storygraph i downloaded this downloaded it last year i keep saying this year it's the second day of 2024 everybody on this as of this recording um I downloaded it last year because actually one of our listeners who I've become internet friends with, her name is Tiff. She is a big pusher of pusher. She's a big supporter. Of, <laughs> she's a drug, drugs, everyone. She's a drug pusher. She's a sad old drug pusher. No, I'm kidding. We love you. Um, she was a big supporter of Storygraph as opposed to Goodreads because I know a lot of people have left Goodreads in the last few years because it's owned by Amazon and whatever. Yeah which is fair. Amazon can suck as a company. Um, So I know. So I tried Storygraph. You have to like, you can like download your data from Goodreads into Storygraph. So you don't have to like do it all manually, which mm-hmm. I was like, okay, cool. 
So like it took it took a, a, bit, a bit of time to to download your data if you, if you have a lot of stuff on Goodreads. I don't know. I just find it's not very accessible. Like the interface is bad. And I've read I've seen like a couple of um, like Instagram reels of book bloggers kind of reviewing Storygraph and saying like, we like the concept. It's just like the execution is bad. So three stars, yeah. right? <laughs> three stars. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, we we also tried Fable for our book club, but that never really took off. No, yeah, I I I and I came across Fable on on an Instagram ad. Like I saw it in my in my feed, and I was like, "Ooh, what's this?" So I, for all for all I knew, it could have been like a newly launched app with nothing, you know. But yeah. I tried it anyway, and it ha it's been a while, been around for a while, I think. A lot of people like it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely more accessible than Storygraph. Mm -hmm. I think so. You, I think you, you can do half stars there. Um, yes, you can. I think the reason for me that I read good that I read Goodreads <laughs> that I use Goodreads is because I started using Goodreads and I think God, if I go to my profile, I think 2011, well, 2013. It's a good chunk of time. So yeah, I've just been using it for ten years, and I'm like everything's here. Yeah, it's... you know, it's more for me. It's not really like a social thing. No, it's more to keep track of what I want to read because the list is huge. Mm -hmm. At this point, we're sitting at 306 and I did some maintenance recently. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's the thing. It's same for me. Like I've been on Goodreads since 2015, I think, yeah. 2016, around there. And it's the same thing. Like Fable is is nicer and Fable has a offers like a bit more of a social media aspect, like kind of twitter-ish but not twitter and i like it it's just like it would take me so long could you to like manually put everything in or just to build a following or to find people to follow that are interesting that i want to see in my feed like i'm tired like no <laughs> i'm tired <laughs> i can't <laughs> so i don't know to conclude fable is good in general try it if you want um I don't know. I'm too old. Seriously, <laughs> there's too many apps. Yeah, I'm like you. I don't, you know, there's some shitty parts of Goodreads that just never change. And yeah. someone actually on Instagram said recently that like Goodreads, Goodreads' interface still looks like a MySpace blog in 2006. And I was I like, I think that's why millennials like it. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. I've been on it for so long. Everything, like you said, everything is there. I don't want to have to start over. I'm tired. <laughs> I don't know how this became a, con a conversation about social media apps. but Anyway. Um, uh, I know you wanted to bring up something that you saw on, was it Tumblr? Did we discuss talking as fast as I can already? I mean, do you want to? I mean, I don't remember much of it, actually. Okay, so. I gave it, that one I gave four stars. I remember, like, I think I similar think to you. I, I gave I, it four stars. I blew through it really quickly. I remember reading it really quickly. Yes. Um, I think I also gave it four stars. I'm not sure. Uh, but, but I remember actually when I saw that you had read it, like we were, I remember what, I think I, I think I read it like a year after it came out or something. So like we were still, we weren't like as close as we are now, but like I, you know, we were book friends and I remember being surprised that you had read it because I remember you telling me you didn't like memoirs or you didn't like nonfiction as much. So I was like, oh, she made an exception because it's Gilmore Girls. I think it's just I, the person to me is interesting. Yeah. Um, and they have, and I think when Talking As Fast As I Can came out, it was in 2016. Hmm. So it was November of 2016. I think 
a couple of days before or after the um, revival happened. Mm-hmm. And I was hoping for, and I think I just at that point had missed Gilmore Girls so much. Yeah. And I also just missed Parenthood a lot. <laughs> yeah. Because Parenthood had ended at that point, right? Mm-hmm. That um, I wanted something. It was like your comfort shows were kind of coming back in a new format, but not really. Yeah. And like that to me at the time, maybe not, maybe like around that time when I was reading a lot of celebrity memoirs from a like from that decade, I, that was why I sought them out. Like I was like, I like this person. I like, I like their movies their TV shows that bring me comfort. Like I'm sure the book, I'm sure their book will give me the same type of warm and fuzzies that's why that's still part of why i seek out celebrity memoirs if i if i like the person in their work um so the same thing was true for lauren graham um i think like that one i think was a bit better structured than (laughs) have i told you this already yeah which we already covered but um i remember definitely thinking like that was a memoir like i like I i don't remember at the time if it was marketed as an essay collection it really was it was That's what i remember anyways yeah um but it had enough personal anecdotes that i was mm-hmm. i was like i can see how this is an essay collection but there's enough of her in here that it's keeping me interested um mm-hmm. you know about the like the content what she has to say but anyways and i think what i liked about it like was she talked a bit a lot about her not a lot she, she talked enough about her early life and like how she was primarily raised by her dad, if I'm yeah, right. yeah, and her mom moved overseas, I think. Uh, yes, to Japan. Yeah, somewhere. <laughs> I was gonna say France. I don't remember where it was. Her mom moved. Like she didn't see her mom a lot growing up. Um, I liked those chapters just because, I don't know. I think I was. I had also had someday, 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 maybe fresh in my head, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of similarities there, like her, um, the Franny character. Had, was had her dad I think her mom had passed away so it was so, like similar and I liked I liked seeing the connections between like the author and her creation type of thing mm-hmm. so that I liked and I also liked how she she told the line between talking about Gilmore Girls and talking about parenthood because I think she could have filled like a whole book just for just for nostalgia's sake of Gilmore Girls anecdotes oh I think but, she like, knows it too yeah, so I think, like, she knew she was drawing in Gilmore Girls fans, obviously, from that being what she's best known for, and by naming it Talking As Fast As I Can, because that was yeah. the the trademark of Gilmore Girls. So I think, she, like, I think she knew she needed to have enough to keep everybody satisfied. You know, like, I didn't just come, like, I know a lot of people came here for Gilmore Girls, but I was there for both. You know, I liked how she talked about Gilmore Girls and how she, I think she even said in the book, like, how why she's closer with Mae Whitman versus why she's not as close with Alexis Bledel and (laughs) so I think that's why I liked it because she just she went she went to all the places she needed to to cover it all you know I think that makes sense (laughs) yeah (laughs) I don't know it's as soon as we start talking about it I'm like all these all of what I thought about it comes screaming back I'm like is it is it not fresh is it fresh I don't know that's what that's what it is uh in conclusion in conclusion, don't worry about it. Yeah, but we also really like um, Lauren Graham as a writer. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, I think you should. I thank you for the purpose of, of this podcast. You should reread someday, someday, maybe, and see if your oh, perception so much is other shit to read. Leave me alone. I know, but like, make time. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, and actually, one last note about the the uh abandoned TV adaptation of Someday Someday Maybe that never materialized. From what I can recall, at the time it was picked up or it was optioned by oh, Ellen yes. by Ellen DeGeneres' production company. Yep. And it was in development to air on the CW. And that bothers me because I could totally see it being a CW show and I was robbed. Anyway. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I think um, Ellen DeGeneres is problematic enough. Well, yeah. And this, this was long enough ago. And perhaps- and I, I also think the, the maybe I shouldn't, but a lot of the... Um, so Lauren Graham has appeared on the Ellen DeGeneres show a lot of times. I think they're friends-ish. Yeah. That kind of bugs me. I don't know. There, there was a lot of celebrities when all that crap came out about Ellen where it was like, I don't know. She was nice to me. Yeah, she, she was nice to you and a fellow millionaire. Yeah. Anyways, no, I'm not going to say like I'm I'm discrediting Lauren Graham because she's friends with um, Ellen DeGeneres. And I would definitely still watch the show. I'm just mm-hmm. saying like, I, I think that has more to do with me um being annoyed that all these celebrities were like ellen's the nicest i'm like yeah because you run in the same circle (laughs) yeah anyways like remember when i don't know if you remember like diane keaton went on instagram and posted this picture of them together on the show and was like stop canceling my like in big block letters stop canceling my friend ellen this has gone too far it was like (laughs) it was embarrassing Whatever. Anyways, um, I know you wanted some to talk about something that you saw on Tumblr. Yes, I have some other talking points to keep you all interested for a bit longer, unless you've all tuned out. Um, yes. So a while ago, I I said this to Eleni um several months ago. It was a Tumblr poll. Basically, it was twelve. There was twelve points, and it was saying which of these arguments about Gilmore Girls are the most embarrassing. So I remember sending a screenshot to her of all of them. And I don't remember if you told me which one you thought was the worst. Uh, I think I remember saying I have thoughts about all of these. Right. Yes, you did say that. Okay. So I'll read all 12 and then we'll get, you can give me all the thoughts. Okay. So number one, again, just to reiterate, these are the most embarrassing opinions, meaning (laughs) we don't, necessarily endorse any of these okay so number one jess was a lot jess was lying slash exaggerating about liz being a bad mom number two i don't understand how anyone could dislike christopher hayden (laughs) number three luke is an is an abusive wrestler who knocked anna up as a teen number four it is william and luke's fault that liz abused drugs slash neglected jess uh five you're not allowed to sympathize with emily or mrs kim six rory should choose logan because she likes spending money seven there is zero proof jess is capable of being a good boyfriend as an adult eight zach made lane work so he could bro out with, with mrs kim Nine, Lorelai's actions at the end of season six indicate she's super prepared for commitment uh 10 rory is super close to her dad because i want her to be 11 milo is a loser because he is supposedly unmarried by his mid-40s not not applicable anymore actually because he got married recently yeah so let's scrap that one we'll knock that one out 
And number 12, Scott is a loser because he goes to cons and hosts a podcast. <laughs> uh, that one's not embarrassing. That one's true. <laughs> well. Uh, a, little bit, a little bit. You you all know we have we have problems with we have issues with Scott. Yeah. Um I don't even think that's the worst opinion. It's not. So I think the ones that I had the most problems with are the ones with well, obviously the Christopher one. Yeah. No problem. Uh, I don't, that was what I voted for in the poll was I don't understand how anyone could dislike Christopher Hayden. You're yeah, fucked, I, first of all. Then get your head checked. Yeah. Um, but I think the ones that resonate with me the most are the ones talking about Liz. Yeah. Um I think, and we've talked about this so much, but I think it boils down to you don't get to decide like how the other person should feel. Exactly. And if Jess felt like his mother was a bad mother, um, for whatever reason, and those reasons being she shipped him to Stars Hollow, didn't want to, you know, um, mm-hmm. deal with him anymore, didn't talk to him about his dad, you know, whatever the reasons that he has, you you don't get to like invalidate that. No. And the thing about like William and Luke being enablers, um, I don't get it. No. But I I also just don't understand. So we don't have a lot of backstory. We know that Liz and Luke's mom died really young. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, maybe probably she was struggling with having a father and a brother who were kind of, well, it's implied that they're kind of emotionally closed off um, and don't talk as much. But it doesn't enable anything. (laughs) No, it doesn't enable anything. It may be a reason for why you are the way you are or made the decisions you did. But it's not like they're actively enabling you. Um, no. and you know, at that point, I'm like, just take some responsibility for yourself. God damn it. And, you know, we've said it before. That's our, that's our main gripe with Liz and the show and how she was written was that yeah. she comes back as like fun, loving Liz. Um, when we kind of see through Jess, the damage that she's already done. Yeah. And so. as a side note, there's a lot of like Jess Mariano centric blogs on Tumblr that just go on like long ass rants about <laughs> how like the show completely watered down Liz's character to like make Jess the villain and just it's too much like I understand where they're coming from because the, the some of them do make a, a lot of good points about how she was most likely like emotionally, emotionally abusive slash neglectful of him and we don't know about the drugs. Always the only the only proof we have that she did drugs was that there was weed uh, hidden in Luke's apartment. Like, yeah, and she bought pot from the mail the garbage man. Like, okay, like every teenager did that. I'm sure exactly. Can you relax? Stars Hollow is not a fairy tale. No. <laughs> um, but the final results actually of the poll, the twenty twenty six point one percent voted for. I don't. I don't understand how anyone could dislike Christopher Hayden, which was the winner. Thank God. <laughs> and second second what at 13 percent was jess was lying class exaggerating about liz being a bad mom which oh, as you said i think fun. is is also trash because like you said we don't get to dictate how someone else feels especially especially like looking back on your childhood right like you don't have a lot of control or necessarily like even the dexterity as a kid to control your circumstance it's kind mm-hmm. of just like up to the adults in the room and if the adults in the room are also going through their own stuff and their own problems like how well can they 
control you and your and your emotions. So maybe just think of think a second before judging him. Yeah, and I think we also get a lot of shit for um trying to excuse his behavior. Yeah. So I remember when that episode that we did came out um with the party where he <laughs> Um, him and Roy were like making out on the bed and everyone's like he got mad at her because she didn't want to have sex how are you defending him and I was like we're not really defending him we, so should, just, like, we should also note that that episode came out in November 2020 at the height of um, us being attacked on social media from the US election which we didn't really post about so yeah anyway continue uh yeah, I just just like I don't think that you can blame William and Luke for Liz's decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, they can explain some of her decisions, her choices, her behavior, um, but it doesn't enable like it doesn't give her a pass kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I don't think that Luke's up uh, Luke's upbringing. I don't think Jess's upbringing gives him a pass to be an asshole either. No. Um. So I think it really like his father had just come back to town. His mom abandoned him. Whatever. I think those are all really good reasons for why he does what he does, even if what he does, what he does, isn't good. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um. That's just... not to say like I condone anything that he did. No. Um. But I think there's an explanation. It's not an excuse. It's an explanation. <laughs> exactly. And that like, I think people. I think those people who get mad in the comments mean like oh he was a rapist or oh he like you know just some he tried off-hand. to rape her <laughs> like some offhand comment like that i think it comes from just the the density of jess mariano loving content there is in the fandom which we are guilty of thanks to me you um, are guilty of that's what i said thanks to me <laughs> um i you know so i think they've kind of they get upset where it's like oh he's trying to break he's not so great you know and that's where it comes from but they're like there is nuance again in that argument like we're not exactly we're not excusing him we're explaining like you're i don't know you're allowed to like just discuss the character's past traumas as how they influence his current actions we're not saying like oh he gets a pass or oh like be nicer to him it's like this is why it happened. It's still shitty. He shouldn't have done that. But like, this is why I'm not defending it. You know, just go away. Yeah. Um. The other one about Milo Ventimiglia being a loser because he's not married. <laughs> I find that so hilarious. Well, he's married now. <laughs> well, number one, yeah, he's married now. Number two, I find it so ridiculous that people still use marriage like as a barometer for people's success. It's true. Like, get away with your back. Especially for especially for men too, because it was like, you know, for for however long, like Jennifer Aniston was never married, or whoever, like any you know big celebrity, female celebrity of the two thousands who was never married. It was like the tabloids followed that like forever. It's like, is he the one? Is she gonna get married? Is she pregnant? Whereas if a male celebrity like Milo before he got married recently, like. The older he got, like the more following he had as like a zaddy or a sec, like uh, you know, like a sexy dad type celebrity, and he's not married, and that makes it better. Like you know what I mean? It's very sexist. Yeah, I mean, I just think I don't. I, I it's maybe just me, but I don't understand why we're still using marriage as this great big um 
like milestone in life. Mm -hmm. I don't like it doesn't. How is that a success? (laughs) Any idiot can get married. Especially the celebrity, right? Like how many celebrity marriages last long term? Yeah, so I don't know. But anyways, so there's that. Um, And then there was the other one about what was the other one you said? <laughs> the Scott being a loser because I mean <laughs> I just think every time so he posted a New Year's like Happy New Year everyone kind of thing from he's skiing somewhere I don't remember where and it's just his fucking face <laughs> he's not smiling he's just looking at the camera <laughs> in the really weird dad angle selfie oh and I'm just like what screams Happy New Year about this oh my gosh uh there's just there's there's too much to touch on. Like we've talked about him so much in his podcast, and but it's also it's not even just him. I just think he's so. So his podcast is now in its. They're talking about like the end of season six, I think. Oh wow! They started after us, and they're ahead of us. Rude. Uh, yeah, but they like post weekly all the time. All the time. They've never taken a break. Mm-hmm. Um. So number one, I think he talks down to his co-hosts producers mm-hmm. um the the few episodes i've listened to um i think the way he talks about lauren and alexis and some of the interviews he gives it's kind of like he feels superior he feels superior because he's a man mm-hmm. um, to them even though they've gone on to have better careers than him um and also just more than anything the thing that bugs me the most is that he's watching he, he supposedly is watching the show for the first time Mm-hmm. Um and his takes are so garbage. Yeah. So I don't understand how you could have acted in this show for seven years, like sat alongside the writers, the creators, and still have the most ridiculous takes on these characters and these scenes. I have like, to. Wa- I have to wonder if he's if he's doing part of that for clout, like in terms of he's giving trash opinions to make people tune in. Yeah, I mean. And if like, I'm, sure, I'm, I'm sure his opinions are trash regardless, but it's like he's doing it times 10 to get people to listen. I don't know, because it's he's really like when somebody disagrees with him on the podcast. So he has um, I haven't listened in a while, but from what I remember, he has three people that he does it with. They're all girls. Yeah. Um, One of them is the producer and the other two are just like mega fans. Um, and I think they help with like social media and stuff. Um, but anyways, every time they're having a conversation and one of the girls disagrees with him, one of the women disagrees with him, he's always like, no, I don't think so. Like, he's so adamant that he's right. Mm-hmm. And then like, take my word for it because I was on the show. I'm like, well, apparently it doesn't mean shit because you don't know what you're saying. Yeah. And that whole thing about, you can read it on the newsletter too, that we have that whole thing about him feeling objectified. Um, because there was a a scene written where Suki's hand was on his ass. Um, I said it in the newsletter. You can read more about it. Um, I said you're entitled to feel like whatever you felt that day. But I just think you like really just took it too far. Um, you all can't see me, but my nostrils flared when you brought up. Yeah, that. <laughs> I mean, he implied that like the reason he never got taken seriously for his acting was because they wrote this butt scene. And I was like, sir, you're not that talented. And you know what else I find ironic? When you said 
like when he argues with the with the with the the girls on the podcast saying mm -hmm. like oh take my word for it i was on the show like what is that doesn't mean shit if you don't remember any of it like you say and you it's your first time watching it and these are the girls that like grew up with it and have watched it religiously oh it bought like it bothers me and i actually saw a tweet or a twitter post as i should say because it's no longer twitter an x um, yeah we're not calling it x oh, <laughs> um i saw a tweet last night saying like you know kind of shitting on podcasts hosted by like former stars of sh of tv shows trying to like capitalize on nostalgia for profit and yeah that that is a that is a trend that's increasing over the last few years um and actually the thread turned into like how messy and how funny the glee podcast is that two of the stars do where it was like there was like someone posted a clip of like an audio clip of one episode where they're all like laughing and making fun of leah michelle and i was like i have to listen to this podcast now <laughs> um <laughs> so no i think you know some of them are definitely for profit some of it like some of them are actually good um not scots from what i can tell i haven't never yeah, listened some of to them it. are really great um like for nostalgia's sake too you know and so the one that i've listened to most recently is called just jack and will which is uh, eric mccormick and sean hayes who are they do they do a, a will and grace rewatch podcast um and like sean hayes is like really upfront about like i haven't really ever watched most of the show since being on it you know like i worked on it it was kind of like once i was done i don't want to watch myself and a lot of actors are like that so he'll, he'll be really upfront being like i don't remember but like th th if that's what you if that's what you think like you know what i mean like he, if he's reading an opinion or if he's kind of to and froing with Eric McCormick about something, he's like, honestly, I really don't remember. Like he's upfront about the fact like he does not remember. Whereas yeah, see, I, this is the complete opposite. Yeah. He's like, like, I don't okay, remember. Yeah. But this is what it was. And you're like, but you don't remember. And he's like, fuck you. <laughs> no, he doesn't exactly. say that. But yeah. it's more like he invalidates their opinions so much. And it's funny because if you read the reviews on like Apple Podcasts of the show, mm. of his podcast, um, like people can't stand it. Oh, really? A lot of them are really like, yo, started reading, started listening to this at the beginning, can't stand how he puts his co uh, colleagues down, whatever. Like, it's it's really worth reading them because I thought it was just me and my disdain for him, but it's not. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. And Hopefully also, like, sorry, how self-centered that, like, the title of the podcast is I Am All In. Yeah, I don't know. And, and <laughs> it's very, it's, it's, it's not, what am I trying to say? it's not good um, it's not it's not a good title it's not good <laughs> it's just it's awkwardly worded it's awkwardly phrased like that doesn't slip off the tongue you know what i mean it's also just like an episode that was um a line that was written for you it's all about him essentially yeah exactly like you're it's basically saying it's i am all in it is my podcast which okay yeah it is but you you don't make it alone you have other people on it with you you should ugh trash <laughs> and um they do like bonus episodes i think every two weeks mm -hmm. where they talk about like the pop culture references yeah um and yeah like people really hate those well that's a good segue actually to my second talking point that i have from tumblr which has a very um strong gilmore rose presence as it turns out which i wasn't previously aware of so this is a post from a user that goes as fractally 
and it basically is talking about how literature is both all over Gilmore Girls and oddly absent. So I will read the brief post. It is not long. Do not yell at me. It is, it is small, and then we can discuss. So it says, the closest we ever get to real discussions of literature is when Rory and Jess and Paris, God bless her, talk books. And it's lovely and one of the major reasons Jess remains a fan favorite. Although I could have done without Rory being an Anne, an Anne, Rand, an Anne Rand fan, Christ. But I read a nice fan fiction last week that compared Rory's character to Daisy Buchanan, which I thought was pretty apt. And it kind of struck me that while we see people in the Gilmore world drop endless references, they never seem to discuss meaning or themes or how these stories might relate to their own lives. There is one moment like that other than Jess, actually, when Lorelai and Rory are watching Grey Gardens and they both kind of realize that maybe that's their fate and the scene just cuts dark. Um... Yeah, and I was, and that kind of struck a chord with me because there's so many pop culture references, so many literature references in Gilmore Girls that just go so far over my head that I, even as a 26 year old grown up, I still don't understand some of them, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, um, I think my thing with this is like literature is used in the show as a way to, um, beef up Rory's character mm -hmm. and bolster this notion that she's so smart because she's read all these books. Yeah. Um. And like, we're supposed to believe that Lorelai is not as educated because she didn't go to college because she mm -hmm. supposedly ruined her life. But yet, like, Lorelai knows more than... There are so many references that she makes and gets that any normal human being that like you said they go over your head they go over my head like if you know that much about that many things you're clearly not an idiot yeah you know what i mean so but then when they do make lorelei read mm -hmm. in the show she's reading things like a guns and roses memoir <laughs> or like she says she couldn't get through not even the first page of a proust book yeah um or like out of Africa, like you know what I mean. So it's like they're well, trying to push. He couldn't get through the Colette biography either. Like she lost. Yes, it. exactly. So like they're trying to make it seem like books, reading in general is what makes you intelligent in this world. Yeah. So they use it as a prop for Lorelai to be like, oh, she couldn't even get through this. Like, but Rory's reading all the time at lunch. Yeah, and it's almost like if you think of it in terms of the example that Post gave of. The only time there's like genuine discussion about literature is when uh, Rory, Jess, and Paris are eating dinner together. Mm -hmm. Like, it, like, like by, yeah, by but by that standard, you think that like reading and reading and interpreting and understanding literature is like a an Ivy League concept, and like oh, Jess is smart enough to be part of that. You know, it's like you don't ever see them discuss. Like, you don't ever see Lorelai and Rory, as you said, kind of discussing literature because. You know, she reads she reads Guns N' Roses memoirs, can't get through Proust, can't finish a Colette biography. It's like, I don't know, maybe maybe find something between Guns N' Roses memoir and Proust. Like Proust is pretty, pretty dense, you know? Yeah, so literally. I think it's used almost as like kind of a gate gatekeeping concept, you know, where it's like reading and understanding books and literature is only something really smart people can do, which is yeah. not true. They make reference also to um, 
you know, you know, when Lorelai goes upstairs to Luke's house because she wants to get the walking tours book mm-hmm. and she walks in on Rory and Jess making out on the couch. Yeah. And she's like, oh, I'm looking for a book. And he's like, well, we got a lot of them here. And he's like, one of Luke's He's like, oh, well, that narrows down a lot. You know, yeah, Luke is dumb. He's pedestrian. He doesn't read. Exactly. <laughs> you know, um, you know, Richard is so proud of her and always buys her books because she's the smart one. Um, true. You know, I don't know. They're, yeah, they're, no, you, they're more used as a prop than you're anything. Right. It's totally, it's, it's like a prop to prop up Rory's character. You know, it's yeah. to, to, show how smart and perfect and not perfect, but show how smart and intelligent that she is because she reads like, I don't know. I don't know if that was more of a thing in the, in the early two thousands where it's like, Oh, you, Oh, you read your, you must be smart. Well, you know, every fall when it's Gilmore (laughs) girl season. Yes. Or every, you know, like final season for school, people post Rory Gilmore, um, I don't know if they're memes, but they post pictures of her and they're like, I'm in my Rory Gilmore era. I'm studying like Rory Gilmore today. Yeah. And it's like, and it's always her reading a fucking book. Yeah. Like we read for pleasure too, goddammit. <laughs> yeah. I think that's sadly more like, it's more of a, it's, I think it's more of like an aspiration than anything else where it's like, oh, I want to study like her. I want to be like her. It's like, she wasn't perfect. Like she was a flawed human being with real feelings and emotions and experiences i think i think they mean it more of like um studying like her getting the grades that she got um getting into ivy league stuff like that you know well that's unrealistic sweetie you should you should like (laughs) (laughs) like to this day i'm still flabbergasted like without even trying well maybe she tried a bit but like without even trying as hard as Paris, Rory got into Princeton, Harvard, and Yale. Like, I'm sure that's possible, but, like, like you would have to be, like, on Paris's ge- Paris Geller's level. Yeah, I'm still of the opinion that Paris Geller just got a bad interviewer that day. Yeah, because I don't understand how... Like, I guess not extra extracurriculars don't count for everything, but like, remember in season beginning of season two when Rory realizes how far behind she is because you know, Harvard loves that crap and whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't understand how she, like, it's on paper how she could have made up for all that she was missing from her fellow prep school students' peers. Like, I don't understand how that could just magically happen. So you're probably right. Maybe like Rory got a really good interviewer. They loved her. They, they liked what they happened to see on paper that one day. And she got into all three. Whereas Paris like <laughs> was, a little, was a little too intense in the interviews. And I don't know. And let's but, be honest, only applying to three schools that happen to be Ivy Leagues mm-hmm. is not very realistic. No. And of course, oh, which also brings up a memory of like when she said she was applying to Princeton Harvard and Yale. Yale? You didn't tell me you were applying to Yale. Oh, you did this. My parents did this. You wanted to go to Yale. You're like hijacking my daughter. Yeah, no, I know. It's it's obviously she's applying to Harvard and Princeton. She's gonna apply to Yale. Mm-hmm. Like she's shooting for the stars. Mm-hmm. She's gonna leave out Yale, you think? I didn't know. Um, where can they find us, Jeffrey? Well, I guess we should give a little update on the podcast since the last episode we did was before our old instagram page was sadly hacked Uh uh-huh so um 
yeah if you're not already, if you didn't already know hopefully you can still find us and you you are, have listened to us today um we are our instagram our old instagram page gilmore girls podcast was hacked last october and we lost access to it um i ended up actually hiring a social media recovery firm that handles stuff like this to see if they can get in contact with meta and perhaps get us back into the account as of before the holidays they told me they were 80 percent done with the process and they told me meta was reviewing the account i don't know how factual that might be my fingers are still crossed uh we'll see what happens but in the meantime you can follow us on both twitter and instagram at gilmore podcast um we have a newsletter as eleni mentioned uh several times this episode um Usually during our regular seasons, you'll with every new podcast episode, you'll get a newsletter in your inbox with what we're reading, watching, listening to at the moment, some Gilmore content, and some hot topics, pop culture takes, etc. You can subscribe to this email newsletter at gilmoregirlspodcast.substack.com. And you can also email us as always, should you should you so desire, gilmorepodcast at gmail.com. I think that's it for this episode. Um, yes, thank you for joining us. <laughs> absolutely. And we and will have more bonus episodes soon. We have a list of them that we want to do. do. <laughs> it's more a matter of time. Like when are we going to get to them? But yeah. um, we hope to do them for you soon. And we'll be back for season six when we decide we have the time so <laughs> great i was gonna make an announcement i was like shouldn't we discuss first no <laughs> all right everyone thank you so much see you soon bye